Simone Che. What's up? Hey, I'm Sydney. I'm Shu. And tonight we're talking to you about LSD. Yeah. I'm so excited. Do you want to tell everyone what LSD stands for? As our official head of uh, pronunciation here at the Simone Che oh, podcast. <laughs> LSD, uh, lysergic acid diethylamide. Yay, that was good, right? I did it. You nailed it. I'm Uh, so proud of you. Thank you. So it's a psychedelic drug known for its psychological effects. Yeah, I. What it is? It's that is exactly what it is. It's uh, one of the first known uh, synthesized psychedelic drugs. Uh, Up until LSD, most uh, psychedelic drugs were plant based. You had your mushrooms and your peyote and um, your ayahuasca. Anyways, uh, I figured we'd go through the history of LSD because it is. Most of the drugs we talk about on the show or have talked about have been older ancient uh, drugs with like tribal and spiritual Mm -hmm. practices. Um, But this one's like straight up new. So uh, it's been around for less than 100 years. So I figure we can get into it. Let's get into it. All right. Um, So in 1938, it was first synthesized by uh, Swiss chemist Albert Hoffman. And this guy was working for a lab in Switzerland um, and he was working with, uh, squill, which was a medicinal plant and ergot, which is a fungus that grows on rye. And, uh, you might recognize the name ergot because they think, um, that may have played a role in the Salem witch trials. Yeah. And that's what was making everyone trip out and the animals act funny because it's, um, it's a fungus and chemically it's a precursor to LSD. It's, uh, lysergic acid but it doesn't have the diethylamide Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh so yeah he was researching it and he's looking for a um respiratory and circulatory stimulant and uh whoop he found lsd and uh he didn't really think anything of it he put it away Uh and uh five years later same job same company you know, when you're at work and you got to try to be like, I got to look busy. Yeah. I got to make, the, you know, the the big uh, head honchos here. I got to look busy. I better pull this LSD out again. And <laughs> let me just act like I'm doing something. Yeah. Let me, let me make some chemicals. <laughs> so um, April 16th, 1943, he takes a second look. And while re-synthesizing it, he absorbs uh, some of it into his fingertips and uh, I know. Let me pull out. I uh, yeah, pull out, Sydney. Let me pull out because I always pull out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I use condoms. No one pulls out. Uh, just kidding. I don't have sex. <laughs> just supposing. Just. Oh, oh my god. god! That is like so problematic. Uh, we... I find it problematic that you that I do or don't pull out. All of it. All of it. I find it problematic that nobody fucks me, but here we are. Here we are. Lots, actually, lots of people want to fuck me. They aren't the people I want to fuck. It's a fucking snake eating its own tail, man. You know, like I want to fuck people and people want to fuck me, but they aren't the same people. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a soundboard now, and that was a sound clip that Shu made, and her husband uh, set up uh, our studio tonight. So we've got sound drops. We can do everything and anything we want to. It's amazing. It's pretty exciting. 
I feel all the power. You are all powerful. I, guys, I want to let you know I'm going to try super, super, duper hard to not just constantly use sound bites because I know that's annoying. Uh, uh, I'm trying not to annoy you. You know, I'm not even trying. I'm just not annoying you. You're just you. not annoying us. <laughs> Shout um, out to you, Mahala. Sh- she always tells me, like, don't say try because there's this whole thing. Oh, you don't say try, just do. Yeah. Like, if you say try, it kind of limits you. Okay, and I it can see it that. it makes it harder to get things done because you're only trying to get them done. You're it's, not actually getting them done. The power of language mm-hmm. is strong. Well, uh, my friend told me that they found that people who, if just for two weeks, they focused on not only saying yes or no, not saying ya, yeah, na, nope, ana, like just saying yes or no. And um, they saw uh, increases in their willpower in other areas of their lives. Mm. So just uh, exercising that willpower muscle, for one thing, as simple as language, uh, strengthens your willpower in other regards. But that's why I always say I'm going to try to not sleep with your dad, but I never say I'm not going to sleep with your dad. You know I'm going to. I'm probably going to if your dad is hot. (laughs) Um, okay. Anyways. Anyways, um, so Albert Hoffman, he gets this, uh, LSD on his fingertips and he says, quote, affected by a remarkable restlessness combined with a slight dizziness at home. I lay down and sank into a not unpleasant, intoxicated like condition characterized by an extremely stimulated imagination In a dreamlike state, with eyes closed, I found daylight to be unpleasantly glaring. I perceived an uninterrupted stream of fantastic pictures, extraordinary shapes with intense kaleidoscopic play of colors. After about two hours, this condition faded away. So this was the first ever accidental acid trip and that sounds exactly like an acid trip that is amazing and i'm so impressed that he was able to like write all that down and get it so concise and what a scientist yeah right um so that was april 16th 1943 uh april 19th 1943 he says let's do this for real (laughs) and he intentionally doses himself with acid He took 200 micrograms, which he thought to be uh, the threshold dose. And the threshold dose is just what is the smallest amount possible to see any sort of effect. Okay. Um, So he thought 200 micrograms, that's probably the threshold dose. Well, it turns out that 20 to 25 micrograms, (gasps) which is less than the weight of two grains of salt, that is the uh, threshold dose for acid. So like 250 micrograms, he took a lot. Did he fry his brain? He did not. Okay. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, So he was escorted home by his lab assistant. And because of wartime (laughs) rations, um, the use of automobiles was banned. So they went home on bicycles, which is why April 19th. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bicycle Day, but April 19th is celebrated as Bicycle Day. And that's in honor of the first ever intentional acid trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't know that. If you ever see on your social meds anyone saying, like, it's bicycle day, 
Uh, and some people take acid and some people ride bikes. Oh. Probably not a good idea to do both. That no. Is, that is not ideal. I don't think so. Probably <laughs> really weird. Yeah. And also, uh, we'll talk about it later, but the biggest danger in taking acid is just uh, lack of judgment and people walk into traffic and stuff. Um, oh, no. So uh, don't don't be out in the wild on acid. Stay home. Stay home. Um, but so he's on this first ever acid trip. He gets home. He freaks out. He uh, he thought his neighbor was a malevolent witch. Oh, no. um, which it happens. It does happen. Uh, but this is also something that's so funny. It's the first ever acid trip. And you know what happened? Uh, they had a house doctor come over. The house doctor took his vitals, checked him out and said, no, dude, you're fine. And that calmed him down. Just having that reassurance right. took him from the quote unquote bad trip uh, with the witchy neighbor uh-huh. to back to a good trip. And he really enjoyed it. Nice. So, uh, you know, he's at home. He's Just got a, someone some saying you're OK. Settings. Yeah. Um, and so Albert Hoffman thought this is a great a psychological tool. It's so powerful. It is so introspective. And he didn't see any potential for abuse because something that's intensely introspective isn't um, isn't fun. So that generally makes it less of a recreational drug. I mean, it's fun, but yeah, like alcohol and cocaine make you like they kind of numb your inner looking like you don't look inward when you're on those drugs. And that's what makes them so fun (laughs) is you can. You're like, I'm awesome and whatever. Uh, but um, but yeah, so he he thinks, hey, this could be great for psychological treatment and um, no one's going to abuse it. Mm-hmm. So well, did they? Well, we'll see. Oh, uh, in 1947, Sandoz, the company that Albert Hoffman worked for, they um, released LSD as a psych med called Delicid. And I I like that name just because it has Sid in it. And that's my name. Delicid. Delicid. Uh, Delarice. Delicid. When I become an angel and I start touching people, I'm going to go by Delicid. (laughs) That's so creepy. So was Delarice. Did you see her hair? (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to insult other women's hair, but Delarice. I respect what was going on in your on your head, but let's not act like that shit wasn't weird. <laughs> let's all just acknowledge the elephant in the room that not being a fat joke, but just like your hair was really fucking weird because it was straight black hair, like she right. had black straight hair, but then on top was like a curly white. It was like a curly, yeah, like a curly silver toupee. It was I always did wonder like what's going on here. <laughs> Like, just why? Choices. Choices. Uh, let's take acid and watch a Touch by an Angel marathon and I really get to the bottom of that. I love nothing more than that. It's just like when you see someone with, like, I don't know, a weird shaved head and you're just like, why? Right? It's I don't care if you have no style, but if you've gone out of your way to make a choice. Yeah. And then you keep making that choice every day. I need to know why. Also, I just want to know, like, was that her choice? Like, was she like, I'm not changing my hair for the show? Or was that the show's choice? Like, the show's like, we need you to wear this silver piece in your hair because you're an angel. 
I want to know. And I'm sorry that she passed away. Um, Let's get to the bottom of that and put that in an update. I feel like that would be really helpful. Okay. Um, okay, so 1947, Sandoz releases LSD as a psych med. 1949, it brings uh, Delicid to the United States. So that's super exciting. We've got acid in this country in 1947. Woop woop. Um, so, whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, so 1950s. Uh, mainstream media is super positive about LSD. Okay. There's this new thing. It's really, it's showing promise for uh, psychology treatment. Un- undergrads are regularly taking LSD as part of their um, curriculum. And Ooh. part of it was thought that uh, a small dose could induce temporary psychosis. So it would help them understand the altered states of consciousness of their mentally ill patients. Oh, wow. That's actually like really progressive for that time. Right? Which it turns out that's not exactly what happens with LSD. It does change your consciousness. And um, we talked about the the hollow mask test that determines whether or not you have schizophrenia because you're using um, top down rather than bottom up reasoning. And psychedelics can do that, where they get rid of your uh, constricted ways of thinking so you can see things as they really are. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't actually induce temporary psychosis. Um, But uh, so, yeah, it's being studied as treatment for mentally ill people, uh, addiction, alcoholism, and of course, uh, homosexuality, because that was still considered a mental illness at the time. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, I, I generally have really great things to say about LSD, but um, that's one of the one of the downsides. One of the downsides is that, uh, yeah, it's not um, actually going to treat homosexuality because it's not a mental illness. But they did do uh, a test with um, a thousand people in AA and they dosed them all with acid and um, 50 percent of them were still sober a year later. which is it's unmatched in addiction treatment so it's a 10 times uh more successful rate than aa alone Uh and uh, they have never done anything that's shown uh, as an effective cure for alcoholism greater than uh, lsd treatment wow that's pretty crazy yeah pretty awesome right uh, there's that thing about the founder of AA was he was a proponent of using acid and oh really uh-huh. oh cool so um, <clears throat> so from 1950 to 1965 over 40,000 patients are given LSD as part of medical treatment fuck yeah right <laughs> so here's the thing is people are always talking about oh acid fries your brain it does this it does that but so many people took so much acid if it actually was bad for you we would know a lot more people who had negative experiences with it right but it um doesn't do those things so i feel like that's just a good reminder about the safety of real pure lsd is that a lot of people took it and were perfectly fine and their lives were better for it Mm -hmm. so um, an interesting thing is in Europe during this time period from 1950 to 1965, the standard uh, psychiatric treatment of uh, with LSD was 50 micrograms and they would focus on reliving your childhood and your developmental years and working through that shit. 
So Europe, they're giving people 50 micrograms. Do you want to guess how many micrograms was standard treatment in the U.S.? Home of the Big Mac and Whopper. Oh, no. Well, how much was it? 200. Oh, that's what I was going to guess. Oh, my God. So four times a higher dosage uh, <laughs> was what we were using. This just really sums us up, oh, I man. feel. Oh, yeah. Always bigger, better. Bigger and better. Um, but in the U.S., we, they would give patients... Uh, massive doses and focus their therapy on a spiritual awakening, which okay, that I respect that. Good. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah. So, um, from 1958 to 1961, actor Cary Grant did more than a hundred trips. Whoa! So we all know Her- Cary Grant. He's my boyfriend. Uh-huh. I love him. And uh, he rarely did interviews, but he was so inspired by uh, LSD, he called up Good Housekeeping magazine because he needed to get the word out that people needed to try this. Wow. Yeah. He was like, you got to try it. It's so great. And um, there's a documentary called Making Cary Grant about his acid years. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I really want to watch it. Yeah, totally. So, and what better magazine to call than Good, good housekeeping. housekeeping? Like, come on. Well, you have a lot of housewives out there suffering from the quote unquote feminine mystique and they're yeah. having, yeah. they're all on Valium and stuff because they're so inside. Why Valium aren't you happy? Balls. Your whole life is cleaning and cooking for your stupid fucking philandering husband. Why are you unhappy? Take some acid and find out that you can leave him. Yes. I don't uh. need this man. I can raise my babies alone. Um, which is why uh, later we see LSD was a threat to American values. Yes. <laughs> Shut it down. My wife realized I don't need she doesn't need me anymore. This is obviously a drug of the devil. Um, Women are thinking for themselves. Black people want equal rights. No. <laughs> no. This is terrible. No more LSD. No more. Um, so in 1959, Ken Kesey, who later went on to found the merry pranksters he took his first ever acid trip because he volunteered for a cia experiment with acid oh that would be so dope right so he's knocking around whatever oh hey what's this study i'll sign up and so yeah he does lsd and it really sets his whole career path um in 1965, he started these electric Kool-Aid acid test parties, which Tom Wolfe documents in his book, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. I can't fucking say that. The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. Try to say that okay. shit on acid. Right? You can't. You can't do it. Maybe that's the test. That is the actual <laughs> test. It's just say electric Kool-Aid acid test on acid. Um, but there was a big rift between uh, Ken Kesey and Timothy Leary because basically Ken Kesey wanted everyone to do acid. Was like, just do it. Fucking do it wherever. Chaos. You know, let's dose people without them knowing. Oh, no. Don't do that. That's, that's br- bad. Yeah, that's uh that's cruel. Yeah, that's pretty much the worst. Um and then you had the other school which was Timothy Leary and um so 1965 Sandoz halts commercial production of Delicid amidst legal concerns. But it's not to worry because people are making it underground. We've got a lot of people who are in college and they've learned organic chemistry. And nice. They say, I got this, boo. Uh, <laughs> there's that one guy, Stanley Owensley. There's a documentary uh, 
about him called the Sunshine Makers. Uh-huh. And he basically produced like five million hits of acid. Oh, he shit. was a, a roadie and a sound guy for the Grateful Dead. He provided <laughs> acid to the Beatles when they did uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Uh-huh. So he's a pretty big dude. Nice. Uh, he also, I think, does naked yoga in that documentary. It's been Ooh. a while since I watched it, but <laughs> you know, I don't want to see anyone do naked yoga. I don't especially want to see a man who was in his 20s in the 60s doing naked yoga now. I don't want to body shame because good on him. I can't yeah. do yoga. Same, um, but. So, but anyways. You know. So, so yeah, people were saying, hey, LSD, it's corrosive to traditional values, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they stopped commercial production of it. But also in 1965, Timothy Leary founds the League for Spiritual Discovery, which acronym LSD. Oh, shit. I did not even notice that when I read it the first time. Oh, really? I don't pick up on Come stuff on, like that. Come on, acronym, Sydney. I didn't know that charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent spelt cunt. I just... It so obviously spells cunt. I might be dumb. No, you're not. I'm... You know you're not. I'm not dumb, but I have very... Spe- I'm very yeah, smart. I'm not paying attention. Yeah. I'm not paying I, attention to the details. Listen, I hike the same mountain several times a week, and I get fucking lost on it. There's just certain things I'm not great at. Acronyms... <laughs> And uh, natural terrain. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Um, so the League for Spiritual Development claimed that LSD was a holy sacrament mm-hmm. and it has to be kept legal for religious freedom. So they're basically like playing on the religious freedom laws. I support that. Me too. Because Rasta's got to smoke weed. It's part of their religion. Certain tribes, native tribes, they got to take peyote. It's right. part of their fucking shit and i we gotta take acid yeah we gotta take acid it's part of our religion um also uh this group included um richard alpert who later became known as ramdas who i quote ad nauseum ramdas ramdas and if you're real rich you can go on ramdas retreats because he's still alive and that's you want to do that I would I would never pay for it. Yeah. Because it's gotta be thousands of dollars. Oof. Also, what I like the people like the people at Ramdas retreats have to be terrible. But they <laughs> they also have to be really similar to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It'd be like looking at all the things I hate about You're myself. You're like, I'm not one of these people, but deep down inside, you know you are one of those people. Um, Is it like that? Yeah. You know the HBO show Enlightened with Laura Dern? Yeah. Okay. She plays a woman who has a nervous breakdown and goes on a spiritual retreat and then comes back and is super preachy and annoying to everyone in her life. Uh-huh. And not only do I look like Laura Dern, but I am a lot like that character where she is awful. She doesn't mean to be. She thinks she's doing the best. Uh Uh-huh. And it's horrible. And I just, I recognize a lot of myself in that character. That's hilarious. Um, When we were, I was saying that with a few of my friends and Laura Dern was on the TV Mm -hmm. and uh, they're like, oh, your friend Sydney looks like, like Laura Dern. I was like, I know. I get that a lot. I was like, I'll be, I'll tell her because she'll just be like, yeah, that's just another confirmation. Yeah, that's uh, I've never had normal hair color before in my life. And now that I have normal hair color, everyone says I like look like Laura Dern. But if I keep getting fatter, I won't because 
I gained weight in my face. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she's kind of frail. No, yeah. she's not frail. No, she, she's but she's skinny. she's very thin. Yeah, she's just thin. and she always has these hot black boyfriends. And everyone says I look like her, but she has hot black boyfriends, and I have no back black boyfriends. Yeah. But it's probably because she's like a very successful, good person who isn't terrible to be around. And I'm just some oh fucking schmuck. <laughs> I'm just some fucking schmuck who uh, there's someone out there who I am their specific type of. Oh, yeah. There's I guarantee it. There's a lid for my pot. At and there's earth. a I'll, and I a lot of it, fish in the sea. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. There's someone out there who I'm not awful to. But <laughs> but to a lot of people. <sighs> They don't want this. And that's fine. Because I'm not normal. I know this. I'm not a normal woman. I Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I like you. I like you. We're going to grow old together. We are growing old together. It's already happening. It's happening. I'm growing into Laura Dern. That's right. I don't know who you're growing into. I don't know. I'm just here. You're just here doing your thing. I don't have any celebrity doppelgangers. Yeah. I had a... Coworker told me when I had my hair short that I look like Liza Minnelli, and I was like, I know that's for a fact hair. that's not true. Yeah, no. Eh, Which I, I wouldn't even care, but it's just not. It's, it's not just factual. not true. You might have similar eyebrows. I don't know. That's about it. I have a weird beak nose. I don't know no. what to do. So I don't look like anyone. I got told also that I look like Catherine Hahn. Um, which I apparently I only look like very thin women who are twenty years older than me. <laughs> Which that's fine. That's I'm I'm their young uh, I'm their young pudgy cousin. I'm the skipper to their Barbie. I loved Skipper. Skipper's pretty cool. I had a whole cassette tape read along that was all about Skipper. Ooh. She got lost in the woods when they went camping and it was very scary. I didn't know she had her own storylines like that. Good for you, Skipper. Yeah, I loved the tapes because they're play the background it's like birds like she's like hey skipper come on we're going camping this barbie i'm gonna look up barbie audiobooks when i get home tonight um sometimes i i'm open about this maybe i should be ashamed i don't know sometimes i listen to children's audiobooks to fall asleep because They're they're comforting yeah they're meant to be soothing I haven't been held by another human being while I fell asleep <laughs> for a very long time. Years. You should go to a cuddle party. You, No one I want to cuddle is at a cuddle party. No, but it's not about that. It's just about being held. It's not about like anything sexual. It's I'm just, just going to get massages. The physical act of being held by another human being. I would rather suck someone's dick so they would hold me afterwards than go to a cuddle party. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Shu. I'm just not there yet. I am becoming more and more uh, of a hippie as I get older. I did buy a hula hoop. That's a thing. Oh, I take did? mushrooms. Okay. I own a hula hoop. However, I'm not ready for that. I'd rather suck someone's dick in order to be held. <laughs> and as soon as this cold sore heals, then that's debatable. Um, Anyways. I digress. <clears throat> I digress. Uh going on with acid <laughs> fuck i think i need to trip i i would listen if i were on acid i would cuddle with people yeah so um okay so richard albert he becomes ramdas whatever whatever in 1967 timothy leary gives his famous speech in berkeley where he encourages people to tune in drop in and drop out And he later stated he was very disappointed in the way that this was interpreted as get stoned and abandon all uh, 
constructive activity. I which mean, is, that's kind of what it sounds like, though. Yeah, but this is where it becomes semantics because uh. he said that by tune in, he meant to activate your neural and genetic equipment. So tune in. Uh, and uh, by dropping, he meant to interact harmoniously with the world around you. Uh-huh. And by dropout, he meant self-reliance so that you weren't reliant on societal structures for your existence. Because remember the 60s, there was the homesteading movement, which basically was, what do we call it now? Permaculture, where you grow your own food. Uh-huh. Um, so he was he wanted people to like tune into their you know, neurological abilities and connect to the world mm-hmm. and drop out of mainstream society, become independent from it. I mean, he could have just put those keywords under each, yeah. you know, word just to be a little more specific. I'm, yes, yes. But this, I mean, this is the squares, man. The squares. It's the squares. Out there. And people hear what they want to hear. It's the way media sound bites work. So he gave oh, this so whole true. speech saying do this because he was such an advocate of using psychedelics for constructive personal development you had your um your ken kesey who's like just like reckless party drop acid anywhere uh and you had your timothy leary who was saying hey like this can get you to the next level um of your humanity and uh there's a story where ken kesey and his um traveling gang of merry pranksters came to timothy leary's house where timothy leary did all his research and experiments and timothy leary refused to meet with ken kesey and was like you're so bad for our cause oh, no. you're which it ended up being because it's like when you associate the drug with these like social rapscallions these uh yippies uh-huh. um it's not good yeah it's not good pr no um and so so yeah so people interpreted timothy leary's speech wrong and kind of attributed to the a slogan for burnout culture okay and he was bummed out about that um so in 1968 lsd's made illegal and in 1970 in the u.s they made it a schedule one drug which means that it has no medicinal or therapeutic value, but a high uh, risk for abuse. Which is total bullshit. Which is total bullshit, but it means that they can um, they can uh, give you really steep jail time yeah. for it. Um, so, so here's a fun story. Because uh, there's few reports of death or permanent um, injury from LSD. Yeah. Uh, in 1973, eight people took massive doses of LSD because they mistook it for cocaine. There was a white. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. There was a white powder being passed around at a party (laughs) and these people thought that it was cocaine. So they were just snorting. I love cocaine. I love cocaine. And, um, uh, so I wrote in all caps in my notes, know what you are taking Take drugs in a controlled and safe environment and set and setting for your drug use. Remember yes. these things. Um, always. Yeah, always, always, always. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to put all this white powder up my nose. Oh, no. Um, but these people, they passed out. They were hospitalized. They had fevers, vomiting, and internal bleeding. Uh, oh, but shit. All eight of them recovered within 12 hours with no lasting effects. And uh, five of them uh, agreed to be examined over the course of the next year. And none of them had any problems. Oh, so wow. they had a real rough 12 hours after taking massive amounts of oh. LSD. And then they were fine. 
reports of heart attacks and strokes uh, in people who've taken LSD, it's always patients who are on other drugs. So uh-huh. they don't actually know the effect that LSD would play. It's not, right. LSD is not going to give you a heart attack or a stroke, but if you take a bunch of drugs, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so don't mix drugs. Yeah. That's like the worst. Just be careful, guys. I hate when people tell me stories where they mix um, Vicodin or Clonopin with wine. I'm just like, okay, that's dangerous. Yeah. That's not funny. That's real dangerous. It really is. Oh, I hate the And people will tell me they just... Then, I, you know, I was smoking weed and drinking beer and this and that. And then I popped a couple of mollies. And I'm like, this is all bad. Yeah. This is so it's, bad. It can get crazy. I'm so pro drug use, but. Just in a safe manner. Don't just, yeah. Like, responsibly. God, I eat too many different types of food and the indigestion and gas sets me back for days. <laughs> I'm not going to be mixing drugs like that. It's <sighs> not a good idea. Yeah. So don't do it. Don't do it. Um, in 1974, the National Institute for Mental Health declared that LSD had no therapeutic value, which is just, that's political pressure. Uh, in case anyone didn't know this, the medical industry is subject to lobbying and pressure. And, um, you know, scientific reports can be either, uh, exalted or suppressed and nothing is without political pressures. Yep. Um, 1986, uh, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies was founded, and we've talked about them before. They're awesome. If you have money, donate to them. They're the ones doing the research with MDMA and PTSD. Um, So they were founded in 1986. They started doing studies with MDMA, and that led to uh, scientists taking a second look at LSD, saying we're having such success in treating these patients with uh, MDMA. What's what's LSD going to do? Because we've had a brief pause in research. Right. And let's pull it back up. Uh, and then lastly, in 2008, the FDA approved clinical LSD research for uh, end-of-life patients and helping them come to terms with end-of-life anxiety. So very recently, oh. the FDA has given approval for scientists to start studying acid again. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. I'm for it. I'm, I'm for it. it. I'm for it, too. So uh, I keep hitting my microphone, by the way. Yeah. And I'm sorry if anyone's hearing that and they're <laughs> real annoyed by it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm yeah, so sorry. We are going through a change. We've changed um, podcasting stations. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Oh, you like I called them stations? Well, listen, I had a podcasting studio. However, we've established that I'm moving into my mother's garage <laughs> and you're not going to drive to the other side of the earth to record in my yeah, mother's garage. You know, probably not. No, it's fine. It's I w- fine. I would pro- honestly, uh, I would probably end up can- canceling a few times. Yeah. In a row. <laughs> yeah. It's far. I understand. I've been looking at trailers uh, and uh-huh. um, making offers, and maybe one day I'll have a mobile podcast studio. But until then, we've relocated. I appreciate that you are willing to drive over here. This is, uh, I learned from my friend Charlie, may she rest in peace, is she moved to the way other side of the valley, and she didn't even have a car. Uh-huh. And she would always take public transit to come see me. She would always meet me on my side of town because she recognized, hey... I know you don't really want to drive an hour north to see me 
everything you do is downtown. You pay rent to be downtown. I'll meet you. Yeah. And I pre- I would occasionally drive up to her house. But um, yeah, if you are the one opting, if you've got if you're if you've moved to the boonies for whatever the fuck is going on with your life. Yeah. Uh, you need to respect that most people don't want anything to do with that shit. <laughs> and uh, also oh. you have a husband who is uh, an audio engineer. He's helped a lot. Yeah. So oh. this is our new studio. I'm getting used to the positioning of things. We yeah. kind of. I think we've kept the sound mainly consistent, but we have been uh, moving our setup around to it's a journey. We're constantly uh, perfecting things. Yeah. Just bear with us. We'll smooth it out. And, um, you know, and you smooth out that dick. That's right. In your hole in your soul. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, So LSD real. It's not likely to make you crazy. No. There's all those rumors that if you take five hits, you're legally insane or. It makes you psychotic. And those are none of those are true. I love drug urban legends. They're so fun. I was like, don't look in the mirror. You'll go crazy and kill yourself. Or like, you'll be insane forever. I just feel like it's so funny because when I was, I mean, I was a heavy drinker for most of, from age 15 to 26. And people would talk about doing acid or mushrooms at the time and or offer me drugs. I was like, oh, God, no, because I believed all these urban legends. And it's just so funny to think that um, knowing what I know now, the like the least bad things you can do for yourself are mushrooms or acid. Those are the things I was the most scared of. And those are the least bad for you way less bad they don't cause any sort of permanent neurologic uh changes but uh drinking heavily does yeah that's i mean that's just the uh the funny thing and the weird thing about all of this is like alcohol has been proven to just do terrible things to your body to your mind it's addictive it makes you fat and no one likes that yeah you know if you're angry drunk like no one likes that either if you're a sad drunk or the wet the bed drunk yeah like no one likes those things i mean there's just so many like gross things that come along with drinking and yet it's the only thing that's legal and uh all the other cool drugs that could actually help us uh even our shit out and figure out what we're doing here are illegal it's bizarre. It is. It sucks. Um, so, yeah, LSD isn't likely to uh, make you insane or psychotic. It can, however, exacerbate the symptoms in someone who is already mentally ill. So if you have schizophrenia, don't take acid. It's not for you. Um, or if you because uh, usually um, a lot of mental illness around the early 20s, mm-hmm. late teens, early 20s is the onset of it. So it can it, it can speed the onset of it if okay. you but it won't it will not give you schizophrenia however if you were going to get it it's it, going to bring it on it's going to bring it on yeah oh shit um and it can interact with other drugs especially um those that have an effect on your neurotransmitters lsd can have negative interactions with those drugs that can cause psychotic symptoms yeah. so lsd on its own totally fine you mix that shit with some xanax don't do that that. just don't do it um so 
I love this because I wanted to get to the bottom of, well, what are the real risks of being Uh a heavy LSD user? And by the way, heavy use constitutes twice a week. Yeah. That's a heavy. That seems like a lot. Yeah. um, The interesting thing is, on average, people who are habitual LSD users only use for four years. Okay. That's so even if they do use it heavily, it's not a lot. You know how alcohol, it's a lifelong thing. If you're an alcoholic, it's generally your whole life and you'll struggle and you'll go back and forth. But most people will use acid for on average about four years and then they just don't dabble anymore. I mean, it just seems like a lot. And I could see how people get burnt out on it and be like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't want to do that anymore. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. Well, you build up a tolerance really quickly. Okay. That's one thing. And the other thing is once it's shown you everything it can show you, then yeah. like why keep going back? Exactly. Um. So the, the main threat of heavy LSD use is that it can ruin your sleep cycles and you can lose interest in eating and hygiene. That's as bad as it gets. That's well, the most dangerous... I don't want to be stinky and I don't want to be unhealthy with my food. Yeah. But that's that's also not like terrible. No, most drugs it's like, well, it can cause permanent this or that to your brain or yeah. liver toxicity. But this is like, you might not want to shower that often. <laughs> um, and here's a quote from an article I read about the dangers of LSD. Um, the real problem with habitual LSD users is that because they're taking LSD so often, they think that LSD is creating the illusion that their life is a mess instead of recognizing that it really is a mess. (laughs) Which I really like. They're just like tripping all the time and they're like, oh man, it's just an illusion that my life is fucked up. But it's everything's actually fine, man. Once I come out of it, I'll realize everything's just a okay. <laughs> and then they can, then they like quit taking LSD, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Like my car did get repossessed, and I am a white person with dreadlocks. Like I am a mess. <laughs> I am a mess. So oh, shit. Um, oh, that makes me laugh. Yep. Uh, okay, my final. Things about LSD. Uh Researchers aren't 100% sure how it works on your brain. It does something with the serotonin and dopamine systems, like everything that makes us feel great. Uh, It's metabolized really quickly by the liver. So if you... if you take it, it's like most of it's out of your system within hours and all of it is without out of your system within weeks. So people who have the myths of it's in your brain forever. Or I remember I had a friend in high school who said, I can't go to a chiropractor. I can't get because they might crack my spine and I might trip again. Oh, I've heard that, too. Um, That's not true. No. It's not stored in your brain, in your spine, in your blood, anywhere. Also, there's no evidence that acid flashbacks are real. Oh, like tracers? Yeah, like all of that is very controversial. There's no evidence that those uh, actually exist. Um, okay. Do you know if it's true that you can um, tell someone's done acid by doing a drug test with their a strand of their hair? I don't know if it would show in their hair. Because someone told me that uh, they can take your hair and see what kind of drugs you've done in the past 10 years. I feel like 10 years is is... 
that's you'd have to have really fucking long hair to still have 10 years you'd have to be like is it Mennonites that don't cut their hair I just I'm laughing because as I'm saying this I'm like this is fucking ridiculous yeah (laughs) think about how fast your hair grows and all the shedding that happens like your hair is not you're right your hair is not the same hair for 10 years no no, you're not Crystal Gale. I wish I was. I, I wish I was too. I tell you how when I was young, I had hair past my butt. No. And I was like, just, I really wanted to be Crystal Gale. Yeah, I didn't cut my hair till I think like the sixth or seventh grade. Really? And yeah, it was way past my butt. It was like almost to my knees. And then when I did cut it, I remember I cried and I only cut it to like, the very like bottom of my back like right above my butt oh and I like cried so hard and then one year uh, I went and stayed with my uncle for the summer and his girlfriend took me and I got my hair cut to my shoulders Ooh. and my mom was pissed dude Belinda was not having it parents do not like it when other people take their kids for haircuts if I mean, that's what I've learned them, but but they like freak out. She did. She got really upset. And then I was like, but I just took a shower and it was like so easy to wash my hair. It felt so light because yeah, I had headaches all the time and shit with my long ass Crystal Gale. I can't imagine Crystal Gale. God bless you, woman, with your hair. With your long hair. Oh, you're an angel. Your long, possibly acid filled hair. Um, But yeah, flashbacks, <laughs> there's no evidence that's true. Most people who report them are mentally ill. And so their shifts in perception or consciousness could be caused by mental illness and not actually acid flashbacks. I also like think about that like like people they've done acid once and then they have a moment where they have a brain fart or a brain zap or they feel lightheaded and they automatically blame it on acid instead of being like no you're fucking old white dude you have high blood pressure and you stood up too fast so that's not an acid flashback you fucking idiot you know what I'm saying like when I have low blood sugar my perception is distorted and like I don't know I just am like depending on if I'm doing cardio if I've meditated what I've eaten whatever like I'll have things where I'll have like brain zaps or things will perceive like I'll have different perceptions or whatever. I've never done acid. So I know it's not an acid flashback. You know what I'm saying? You're like, whoa, did I take acid at some point? Yeah. Like I don't ever take mucinex and start tripping balls because that shit is scary. If you've never taken mucinex. No. Oh my. It's like an over the counter medication. Yeah. Oh my fucking God. That shit. I can't believe that's legal. And people take that and operate cars and go to work. And I know I'm a lightweight. But I recently, when I was sick over Thanksgiving, I reached a point where I just had been congested for so many days. I said, I gotta, I gotta take Mucinex. That, I've taken it once before three years earlier. And that Mm -hmm. shit, I cannot believe that is legal. Oh, really? Did it get that little New Yorker booger out of your body? Is that, oh yeah. (laughs) It does, it, oh, it dries the fuck out of your sinuses. You can, you can drive a freight train through your sinus cavities when you take Mucinex. My takes like, a lot of mucinex like all the time i think other people just aren't sensitive to that shit like i am because i i like was driving the next day i picked up my friend and i told them that i was like i might wrap my car around a pole today i should not be driving oh no yeah that shit is that shit is a trip but i don't take mucinex and say oh it must be an acid flashback because i'm tripping balls i say (laughs) it's those weird new yorker cartoon mucus boogers yeah Anyways, you know what? Remember when I sent you that audio of my coworker? Oh, 
She is it that coworker that takes Mucinex? Yeah. She has a coworker just coughs a lot. Coughs a lot and hacks and there's always it's always a situation going on with their respiratory system and she sent me audio of it one day. I couldn't handle it because it's like it's one thing if it just happens every once in a while or if the person is hacking so they leave like go outside or go to the bathroom mm-hmm. but this person would just like hack on the phone and then be like ah, hold on let me put you on hold and then put the person on hold and continue to hack and it was just like it's very uncomfortable for everyone and do I wish that I was more mature and self-assured to just go up to that person and go hey you're upsetting everyone in the office please leave when you have to cough like that yeah, I do wish I was like that, but I'm not. I'm immature little bitch. And so I sent an audio tape to Sydney to share my frustration. I <laughs> and said, I look it. at what I deal with every day. I fucking love it. I can't remember that person's name, nor would I say it on the podcast, but it's like a really good office name, like Cheryl, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, fucking Christ, Cheryl, take it outside. Cheryl in accounting. Cheryl always. in accounting always never takes it outside. And yeah, no wonder addicted to mucinex oh man is it helping her kind of see i mean you know it just ebbs and flows now it's not so constant at least i'm actually like big ups to cheryl in accounting that she can fucking take mucinex and sit upright in a chair right (laughs) because that's well now i'm like holy shit girl i just i don't recommend it to anybody yeah unless you want to have a fun time, but instead you're like, well, I can breathe through my nose, but I still feel like shit and the room is spinning. Yeah. Like, it, you know when you're too drunk and you have the spins and you kind of got to grip the mattress? You got to put one foot on the floor. Yeah. That's the trick. That's, is that the, I didn't try that. Yeah. You, you have to either lay on your... Don't lay on your back because you might choke on your vomit. Lay on your stomach and uh put one foot on the floor okay and it'll steady everything it'll stabilize it so that you can at least get to sleep um that's a good pro tip yeah i'm a pro you're a pro unfortunately i'm a pro <laughs> uh, um, so yeah that's all i have about acid is that it's probably really good for you and uh it's, I think it's important to take it in the right environment, set and setting, have a good trip sitter. So if you freak out, they can say, yo, you're fine. Yeah. And you can be like, I am fine. My neighbor isn't a witch. I thought she was, but actually she's not. And also to have a sober person around you so that if you want to, because you're your reflexes your coordination is off and your perception is off. So you need someone around. So if you say want to go for a walk that they're like, hey, let's not go out into traffic. Yeah, like, let's stay on this sidewalk or let's not walk to the hobo park where there's sap everywhere and then it'll get all over your dog and ruin everything. Just suppose. Then you'll have to go to Walmart and get peanut butter to try to get the sap out of your dog. You realize you have peanut butter in your house. But you now you're at Walmart on fucking acid. Oh, my God. Just, Talk about witches. Just supposing. Just supposing. Anyways, well, thanks, because that was really informative, and I did not really know the history or origin of acid, so that's, you know, I I enjoyed it. I figured there's enough podcasters out there talking about the psychedelic renaissance and people microdosing in um, Silicon Valley. There's no, yeah, yeah, there's no evidence to support that does anything, but there's also no evidence to support it's a bad idea, so... 
hey, you know, whatever. Do, do what you want. But there's, yeah, there's a bunch of white people out there using acid, uh, experimenting on themselves. And that's exciting for them because they aren't at risk for being arrested and jailed. <laughs> because the, oh, here's, here's something I learned. The jail time for acid possession or production is linked to the amount that you have. Oh. So, and a 1991 Supreme Court ruling ruled that the weight of the paper it's on is calculated in with it, which can lead to really unfair sentencing. Mm-hmm. Because if a dose is the weight of two grains of salt, but it's, you know, put on paper, which is what they do. They make it a liquid. They put it on paper. They cut up the paper. You put the paper on your mouth. I guess we didn't talk about that. That's how you take acid. Um, yeah. It's called blotter. But yeah. um, if they can calculate the weight of the paper in to the weight of the drugs, they can sentence you for production of a lot more than what you actually made. And uh, you can go to jail for up to a lifetime, depending on the amount that you have. That is fucked yeah. up. And actually, you and I know someone who uh, did almost go to prison for a very long time for uh, acid possession. Is it Deborah? It is Deborah. Deborah's my mother. If you just tuned in, I'm just kidding. My no, mother. My mother not. had a bad psychedelic experience in the oh, 60s really? and was hospitalized. What? I didn't know that. I, I'll get the details of it and give it to you for an update. Because for years, she told me it was because she smoked pot and freaked out. And then um, when I moved to New York on one of our phone conversations, she told me that it actually, I think, was acid. And but my mom was one of those people. She had really bad anxiety. She had Uh panic disorder, et cetera. She should not have been doing psychedelic drugs. Right. And she did. And she had a bad trip. She freaked out about stuff with her mother and trauma. And uh, they I think she was in a psychiatric hospital for a week. Oh, shit. I'll find out the details. Yeah. Um, I want to know. I'm sure she'll love us talking about it on the podcast. She's pretty open. Oh, that's um, good. And that's, I think, why she was so, when I was younger, so fearful of drugs for me because she had that bad experience. Right. And so that would make sense. Totally. Um, but yeah. So yeah, no, Deborah wasn't selling acid. She no. was She was a nurse, which pays a lot more than dealing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what it's time for? Oh. <gasps> It's Paul. Paul in my pocket. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bring it on. So. I love that I forget that this is a segment, by the way. <laughs> I'm surprised every time. Delightful. Oh my god, I'm probably it. like a dog. When you come home and your dog's like, oh my god, it's you! You came hey! back! That's how I am every week with Paul in my pocket. I love it. Alright, lay it on me. Well... I uh, recently, as recently as two nights, which if you're listening to this episode is actually like a week ago, um, saw Paul Reiser on Last Call with Carson Daly. Ooh, I hate Carson Daly, man. You know, he's okay. I don't know. He's fine. He's fine. He's just like a, just a vanilla white guy. They all are. I appreciated when he was painting his nails on TRL. I was like, yeah, you're trying. It's fine. Did he paint his nails on TRL? 
I mean, like, he didn't physically paint them on the show. Like, yeah. his nails were always painted when no. he was the host really? of CRL. Yeah. I don't remember that. Go back. Check it out. Oh, man. All right. I'll check it out. But you can also go back and watch this episode. I'm sure it's probably up on YouTube of uh, Paul Reiser on Last Call. I'm going to cry. Um, I know it was beautiful. It was. He's actually, like, he's so sharp and witty and funny. And um, he, I believe, is the producer uh-huh. perhaps director i don't know he's behind the scenes in the works making this show called uh there's johnny oh and it's um the johnny carson show uh-huh. and it's about a kid who's like i think an intern and uh-huh. he kind of gets thrown into that world and uh it's cool because they actually take clips like he got the archives of all the shows uh-huh. and so they integrate the clips from the Johnny Carson show into the, his show to make it very like you know it's happening I can't wait to look up this interview yeah it's I'm gonna really get good. so hot and bothered though I'm gonna squirt everywhere it's gonna be a problem well go do that at your own house I I'm yeah, not, I was I, gonna show you but now I'm not going no, to no you can't show that to me here <laughs> my friend actually he watches a lot of um the classic TV channel on mm-hmm. antenna TV and uh, Paul Reiser was on Johnny Carson and he took notes he because it was he said Paul Reiser was so funny yeah he took notes and brought me a list of notes of the jokes that Paul Reiser made on a 1988 episode of Johnny Carson oh my god that's hilarious that's a good friend that is a good friend he's like hey check out how funny your boyfriend is and I'm like I this is where I get so mad I don't have a lot of entitlement issues I mean I have some obviously Mm -hmm. (sighs) I was Mm -hmm. raised, told I could be and have whatever I wanted. And that hasn't really worked out. And uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of envy or entitlement issues. But like people like Paul Reiser exist in the world. And like, I don't. You might meet him one day. I know. I just feel like I want a boyfriend like that. And like, why can't I? Someone gets to marry Paul Reiser. And why isn't it me? And why aren't there? There are other men. There's probably thousands of other men out there who are like handsome older men they're not gonna be as funny as Paul Reiser but they can be close yeah and a sea of them like where do I find them where do I meet them how do I get one why can't I have one (laughs) why can't I have a Paul Reiser I don't feel like I listen I've accepted that I'm not gonna have a career I'll probably never get to go to graduate school because it's too expensive I don't even like I'm really taking the fact that, like, I'm shopping for, like, $4,000 travel trailers to live in so I can live life on the road and be a gypsy. I'm never going to own a house. I might own a $4,000 trailer. Like, I've accepted that's my lot in life. I'm not Ooh. mad about it. But, but like, why don't I have a Paul Reiser? I don't know. But have you thought about, like, maybe we should take a class on woodworking and then build you a tiny house? I actually, would you know that I did construction for years? No, what? 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 I've built a house before. Oh my God. Well, why don't you build yourself a tiny house? You can um, buy the um, the blueprints. Well, I actually, I looked into it and it would cost me more to build a tiny house than to get a functional trailer. And so rather than have a tiny house because I want to move to California, I would just want to get a trailer. Okay. Um. Eventually, I might build a tiny house, but I actually like spoke to a contractor and got quotes on doing the electrical and doing this tiny house thing. 
And it was going to cost like over $6,000. And yeah. and I basically w- can buy an old trailer and rehab it and set it up with solar for less than that. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm doing the trailer first and I'm doing it the cheapest way possible. And then in a year or two, I'll either upgrade to a house or a better trailer. But um, yeah. anyways, that's I, cool. Yeah. I've accepted that like that's my thing. But like, why can't I have a Paul Reiser? I want so little out of life. I seriously have such few expectations. But just to have a handsome man who's respectful and funny and charming and yeah. really fills out a suit and fills up my post. Like, I feel like I deserve that. I don't think that's too much to ask out of the universe. You do deserve that. Can you imagine what a happier person I would be if I like every night went home to a Paul Reiser? Yeah. You haven't known me since I've been in a like relationship where I lived with someone. But I, there was a certain level of joy that was in my heart just waking up next to a beautiful human being and being like, <laughs> look, look at him. He's sleeping there. Aww. Look how beautiful he is. And just having someone who I appreciated the way he looked and smelled and his yeah. presence. I was a much happier person. You know, well, they're out so, there. Give me one <laughs> universe. I think we should create a, a vision board, a vision board for you. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And then also I'll, I'll finish reading my book about, um, oh, what was it called? I don't know. You know, where you like put all the vows and make a symbol. And yes. Oh, yeah. Your um. I can't even so, think of what it's sigil? called. Sigil? Yes. Sigil. Yeah. I'll we... finish my book about sigil magic and we'll yeah. make a sigil specifically for you to get the twin of Paul Reiser. And uh, he's like so pretty. I mean, I honestly do not see it. To me, he's like my chill uncle, but I support you and your taste. I was in the checkout line at Safeway like a week ago and I'm looking around and there's like young hot men with muscles, you know, and they're just bulging biceps holding up their basket full of fucking kales for their Vitamix. And uh, none of them were doing anything for me. And then there there was like a couple hot Jewish guys in there. And by hot, I mean, they were in their 50s. Oh, my God. And I was I was ogling and I thought these guys have no idea that I think they're the babes in here and not these muscle bros. I mean, I don't like muscle bros either, but I just, I'm not, I don't understand the the old man infatuation. I mean, I just, I get along with them better. Yeah. I definitely, I, I enjoy my conversations and my time. There's a direct correlation between the age of the man and the level of my enjoyment. Like the, on the graph, those lines go up in mm-hmm. tandem. Okay. So I'll I mean I'll draw it out. I'll make a PowerPoint to explain. I would appreciate it. <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? Huh. We're working on a website. We have officially bought the domain simonchepodcast.com. So uh you know, in a few weeks probably. We're gonna launch that like, shit. Yeah. I mean, honest, I've been having a difficult time, but we can get together. Get it, we're gonna get it done. Yeah. I'm not, I realize I'm not technologically as savvy as I thought I was. Well, we can get together and work on it. We'll have a day of it. We'll put on a background. We'll watch Mad About You episodes. And work on our website. I can't wait. I just wanted you guys to know. Okay. Things are in the works always. They're always happening. And as always, uh, my phone number is 646-778-7743. You can call the podcast. You can email us at simonchepodcast at gmail.com. 
Find us on Twitter at Simone J Pod or on Instagram at Simone J Podcast. So yeah, get into it. Get into us. Let us tell know. your friends. Hide your kids, hide your wives, but tell them about the podcast first. <laughs> also, I decided. What kind of saying is that? I was quoting uh, Antoine Dodson. Okay. Who said, hide your kids, hide your wives. But I figured if you're going to hide them. First, you... tell them about the podcast. Yeah, so they have something to listen to while yeah. they're hiding. <laughs> okay. Um, also, I decided we would be a great show to listen to while you're cooking food. So you can nourish your soul while you cook a nice meal to nourish your body. Yeah. So well, I'm not telling nourish... you how to live your life, but that might be cool. Nourish your soul while you make something to fill that hole. <laughs> you know, your mouth. Yeah, your mouth. Your, your mouth is your food hole. Your food hole. You got to balance out what you put in holes. It's not all about the mouth. It's not all about the puss. That's right. Balance it out. Balance. All right. Life's without balance. It is. <laughs> Bye. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. <laughs>